turn with your Bibles to Psalm 125. I like that song. It makes me feel like we're, it's almost like a war cry, like a battle cry. Christians in the United States in the days ahead are going to have to be tough. They're going to have to have a strong faith in God. They're going to have to bind together like never before. Suffering's on the way. Persecution's on the way in our country. And if we are not ready, I fear for you. I love you. I fear what will come in the days ahead for our children, our grandchildren, and even some of you as our nation is, is changing right before our eyes in these days. I pray that God will prepare our church. God would prepare your faith. And God would make us strong. In Psalms 125, it's another song of a sin. I remind you, these are the 15 songs that we're looking at that they would have sung on their way to church. They would have been climbing up that mountain higher and higher on their way to church. The community of believers coming together, the nation of Israel, and these are the songs they would have sung on their way to church. And they're powerful songs. Songs about who God is and the faith that we can have in Him. Psalms 125, if you look at it with me, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. In verse 1, the first thing that we see is the security of God's people. We see that by what he says about Mount Zion. Look at verse 1 again. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. He compares people who trust in God to a mountain. If we look at some of the details about Mount Zion, let me just give you a few of them if you want to make note of them. First of all, it was a a mountain made of solid rock. There are a few places you can go where you can find solid rock just coming up out of the ground. I've only been to two or three in my day. There's one that we would on the four-wheeler trail if you used to ride with us when we go riding four-wheelers back behind the house back there that 10 or 12 mile track there was a place back there where it was solid rock and people would get down in the creek or it's, it's very wide more like a river there and just go crazy spinning and riding and with no risk of sinking and no risk of getting stuck because it was solid rock in the bottom of that creek I remember one on top of a mountain. You know, I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. I remember one on top of the mountain where you could go, and that that rock came out of the side of the mountain there, and and the only thing growing on it was moss, if you've ever seen anything like that, just moss growing on the side of that rock, and it was really slick. I want you to have a perception of Mount Zion being a, a hill or a mountain that was solid rock. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, Mount Zion is called Salem. It's where Abraham talks about giving an offering to uh, the the king of Salem there in Genesis 14. 
Abraham also called this mountain Mount Moriah, and it is the place where he went to sacrifice his son Isaac when Abraham was asked by God to believe God, to have faith in God. And God had promised that through Abraham he was going to raise a mighty nation. And you know the story, Abraham finally only has one true son, and he's born old in his age. And then God asked him to go to a place and, and sacrifice his son Isaac. And I believe that Abraham was fully willing to do what God told him to do. And God marched Isaac, his little boy, up on top of Mount Moriah, same place as Mount Zion. And he was there willing to give his son for a sacrifice. But it says in the book that God provided a sacrifice for him. Amen. And God's been doing that ever since. It is where David came when he came to the promised land. It was formerly held by the Jebusites and they lived on this Mount Zion or Mount Moriah. But when David came, he came as king and he came to conquer the land of, the land of Canaan for Israel. And he took this great mountain and conquered the Jebusites. And it says that when King David took the mountain, it became called the city of God. Psalms 46 verse 4. So now Mount Zion, this great mountain, is, is called the city of God, the city of David. It is also the place, as you well know, where the house of God, the temple of God, would be built. It would be placed, the place where the children of Israel would go to meet with God. The place where they would go to experience the power of the living God, the presence of the living God. Why is Mount Zion so special? It's so special because it is the one place on the face of a whole earth where God chose to put His name and put His house. And now in this song that we're singing, it says that those who trust in the Lord, you are like Mount Zion. You are like that mountain, He says, which cannot be moved and abides forever. I'm a pastor filled with insecurities. I'm a pastor filled with my own weaknesses and troubles and failures and shortcomings. And because I have such a bird's eye view of myself, I have a great fear sometimes and concern for all of you because I know you're, you're just like me. Amen. We all got these struggles and these things that make us grow distant from God and far from God sometimes and Rebellious from God sometimes. But the Bible says today, you're like Mount Zion. You'll never be moved. You'll be kept by the hands of God from this day. And he goes on to say, and abides forever. Literally it means you will not be shaken. I've never been in an earthquake before, but I've heard of people who've been in an earthquake and how it literally shakes everything around you. It causes them, they've said, to then have fear for a few days because Everything that seems to ought to be stable was not stable for a few seconds or a few minutes. In our lives, by suffering, by heartache, by sin, sometimes we feel so shakable, don't we? We feel that we could move so far from God we had not come back. But God is saying to you today, that's not so. You're like Mount Zion. You cannot be moved. And you'll abide forever. I want to draw out of this first one a, a doctrinal truth that I just want to speak for a minute about. And it's the doctrine of eternal security. 
You may have heard it said this way, once saved, always saved. The, the, the true concern there is getting saved. <laughs> but if you're really saved, you'll never lose that salvation. When he's talking about your like Mount Zion here, he says you will not be moved and you abide forever. He's not talking about physical security here. All people, even Christians, even saved people, are vulnerable physically. You will come into sickness. All of you will have pain. All of you will have harm in your life. All of you will have suffering, some even great suffering in your life. The Bible calls it affliction. And in this world, even the children of God will suffer and be afflicted. Yes. But that's not the same as spiritual security. This verse is about spiritual security. Something far greater than physical security. It means that you're kept by the power of God and you will not be shaken, you will not be moved, and you'll abide, that is, you'll live with God forever. God, God wants you to own this. He wants you to believe this, that Satan himself cannot remove from you the salvation of God. Glory. You, yourself, cannot remove from you the salvation of God. Let me say it another way. You cannot mess up what God's doing in your life when He saved you. Psalms chapter 40 verse 2 says this, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. God did that for you. That's why you can now today say, I stand on the solid rock. On the solid rock I stand. Because God did this work in you. You can't mess up the work God's done for you. You will not be shaken. You will not be moved. You'll be kept saved by God. Thank you. Do you sometimes feel frail? Do you sometimes feel out of control? I want you to know if you feel frail, then I say to you today, good. <laughs> Because you need to remember where you came from. You need to remember that it's God that lifted you out of that horrible pit and out of that miry clay. And it's God who established your feet on the rock called Jesus. And you cannot stay there were it not for the help of God. It is not by the works that you have done. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you were saved through faith. It was not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, so you do not boast. Spiritual insecurity is rampant in our day. People feel weak. Church members feel weak. Church members feel hopeless. We often don't feel secure. We often don't feel full of faith. But the point of this verse of this song is that you are secure by God's doing and not your doing. The point is not your power. It's God's power. And today He's comparing our church members to a mountain. The mountain of Zion. Glory. You will not be moved. And you will not be shaken. I keep referring being kept by His power. Let me read you the verse. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Verse 2. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. 
Not only do you have a spiritual security in God, you have a strength that comes from God. I want to give you a picture here that you can see of Mount Zion. It now makes reference here to Jerusalem and the surrounding mountains. Verse 2. There are seven mountains around around the capital city there, the city of God, the temple of God. If you see over there on the right side, uh, Mount Scorpus and Mount Olivet and the Mount of Corruption, that would have been one ridge of mountains if you've ever uh, been in the mountains. You know how some of them are just seem to be joined together in a ridge. That would have been a, a ridge of mountains. But there are seven mountains in total right here, including Mount Zion around them. There are three steep valleys between the mountain of God and these other mountains. And so uh, as far as security and, and strength of power, a mountain is, is one thing, but have a valley in between is another thing, another power of, of the fortress of the building of God. Another thing you need to know about these mountains, if you stood on Mount Zion and, and just kind of looked around in a 360 degree way, all the other mountains are higher than Mount Zion. In other words, all these surrounding mountains sit just a little bit higher and look down, if you will, on the house of God. In Lamentations chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. That's a true statement. For Israel to have grown up a Jew, to grow up a Hebrew, they would have believed, this is from Scripture, they would have believed that the adversaries and the enemies could not enter the gates of Jerusalem. And one of the reasons they would have believed that is because the location that they were in, the valleys on each side, and then being surrounded by greater mountains, it was a fortress that was virtually impenetrable. And so there was a strength of protection just by being in this position on top of Mount Zion, there was a protection like no other. It is also said of these mountains that it is a picture of heaven. I want to read to you from Zechariah chapter 2. Then I raised my eyes and I looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length, and there was the angel who talked with me going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. He said, because of the presence of God in Mount Zion, it is as if it is a town without walls. There's no need for walls because God's glory is a wall of fire around her. And Israel's faith rested in this being the place that is called the city of God, this being the place where is built the house of God. And if that wasn't enough faith, for those that wondered just a little bit, it was surrounded by three valleys and then surrounded by seven mountains, an almost impenetrable source of protection. Let's read verse 2 again. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. 
from this time forth and forevermore. You are strong today. I know this about you. I'm your pastor. I know things I shouldn't know about some of you. I know things I wish I didn't know about some of you. I know struggles you are going through today. Struggles you went through in the last few years. And I know there's more struggles to come. I know that in some ways, some of you are so weak, it's pathetic. I love you, you know that? Some of you are so weak, it's pathetic. Some of you are so feeble. Your faith is like a wave of the ocean tossed back and forth. You're all one day and off the next. Some of you have not seemed to get to the depths of faith where you can walk securely, trusting and believing God as you would think you would for the amount of time that you have been saved. But I also know God. And God says today, He surrounds you. He's all over you. The word surround means to be roundabout. It means to be on every side. I know that when you go through a season of suffering, you would, you would almost, if you're there today, talk back to me in this message and say you don't feel like God's all around you. You don't feel like God's been there for you. Things have happened in your life, not only that you did not like, but you hated and you hurt and you found hard to accept that your loving God would allow you to go through this kind of trauma, this kind of suffering, this kind of affliction. But the Word of God stands sure. And God says the same way the mountains surround the city of God called Jerusalem. God Almighty surrounds your life. He's all over you. He's all around you. And nothing can touch you lest it comes through the sovereign mountains of God to Jerusalem. And nothing can touch you lest it comes through the sovereign permission of God into your life. I know that's hard, bless your heart. I know that's tough to take and tough to swallow. And sometimes you just want to have an answer and say, God, why would you allow this to get through the mountains? Why would you allow this to come through your protection? I believe you're all around me, but how did this get into my house? Or how did this get into my life? God's not concerned about your most urgent need, but He's concerned about your most basic need. And your most basic need in all the world is to believe God's for you. And not to believe God's with you and He's not left you. To believe God's all around you like the mountains are around Jerusalem. He's got you surrounded on every side. He's got you hemmed in on every side. And He will not let you escape. He will not let you run from Him. He will not let you turn from Him. He will not let you walk away from Him because He's the living God who has you surrounded on every side. Thank you, Lord. In verse 3, For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest. Underline the word rest there in verse 3. The scepter of the wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. The word scepter is a symbol of authority. This wickedness, the power of wickedness, shall not rest on you. Shall not rest in you. But God will prevail. 
He will not allow it to linger in your life. That's what He's saying. He will not allow sin to linger in your life. He will not allow you to exist in wickedness and no rest. If you're truly saved and you've went into a season of sin, you know how uneasy you were. How without rest you were. God will not allow it. You often feel like you are slipping, even falling away from God. But He promises in verse 3, He will not allow wickedness to prevail in your life. He will not allow wickedness to rest on you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we read this last week. No temptation has overtaken you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will also make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. I listened to a message this week that says, preach it even if it's hard to preach. Mm. Preach it if it's true, even if it's hard to say it. And I'm going to say this to you. I hesitate, but I'm going to say it to you. I believe even when you go into sin and try to forsake God and move away from God, He is so powerful in the Christian's life, He will use that war with sin to make you stronger, to make you truer, and to help you prevail. That's a victory you need to know that exists in your life. That's a victory you need to know exists in the lives of your children who are saved. God knows what He's doing, and the scepter, the authority of wickedness, shall not rest on the people of God. He says in the end of verse 3, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. God would not have that. He would not have it. Look at verse 4. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. The words, the first words there, do good, is from the word where we get the pleasure of God, the, the favor of God. I've talked to you a lot about that. It's the definition of grace. That, that God looks on you and takes pleasure in you. And here it's in, a, it's in an active form. It's talking about this pleasure of God turned into doing good. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good. If you're here today and you're good, and you know you're good, you know you're good only by grace through Jesus Christ alone if you've got any sins. It's not because you've done anything. It's not because you have anything of value inside of you except Jesus died on the cross for you to save you and He made you good. And what He's saying here in verse 4 is the Lord takes pleasure in you and He wants to help you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to do good to you. It goes on in verse 4, and those who are upright in their hearts. That's what we long for, isn't it? We long to have that upright heart, that heart like David whereby God would say about you, you're a man after His heart or a woman after His heart. I remind you who David was. David was a man of utter failure, you could say. Scepter of wickedness took its toll on David when he fell with Bathsheba, and then he became a murderer. I think one of the reasons God allowed David to sin in such a heinous way, such despicable crimes, crimes worthy of death, was so that God could 
prove to you and me and remind me of you that even in the depths of our sin, we are good only because of the work of Jesus and therein is where God finds His pleasure. His Son, Jesus, saved you. Now He's pleased with you and He finds favor with you to do good to you. verse 5. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. There are those who will turn aside the crooked ways. Their path is not straight, but crooked. They just want to walk a crooked, windy road away from God. Here's His promise if that's you and that's what you want to do. He, he says, I'll let you and I'll let you walk with people of iniquity. I think there's almost a subtle comparison here. And here it is. They're singing this song on the way to church. Remember, their legs are getting tired. Two-day journey, uphill. Grandmas are being carried. Babies are being carried. The whole community's come together. The people of God have come together. The people who worship God, they're walking two days uphill, going to church, singing this song. And this verse says, if you want to walk away from God, He'll let you walk around with workers of iniquity. There's, to understand this, you've got to be in a good church. Amen. To understand this verse, you've got to experience a good church. You've got to be a part of a, a church where people love you and people accept you. And there's a, a, a bond of peace and love in the house of God. Some yes. people can't accept this verse and understand this verse because they've not been in the right kind of church. But if you've been in a church where people take you in and people love you and they're like closer than a brother, your physical brother, and they're like closer than a sister, your physical sister, because you're under the blood of Jesus. What he's saying here is if you want to be rotten and you want to just walk the crooked road and play in and out with sin, then instead of walking up the mountain to the house of God with all these brothers who love you, you can go out there and start walking around with wicked people. That's what he's saying. You can go out there and walk around with workers of iniquity and live among those people who use you and cheat you and talk about about you and turn their back on you and sometimes they're for you and sometimes they're against you and lie on you. If you want to walk around with that crowd, he says he'll let you walk around with that crowd. But if you want to walk the straight path, then fall in with the people of God who love you. And let's keep walking up to the mountain of Zion where the house of God is and let's worship God.
These are people who are saved. This promise that God's not going to let you be shaken. This promise that God surrounds you and He's all around you and all over you is not for just anybody. It's for the people of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. I'm not here today to examine you, but you're here today to examine you. You're to look into your own heart and say, Am I really saved? Do I really believe belong to God? Is God really my Father? Is Jesus really my Savior? It's not merely an intellectual assent to say, I believe God is real. It's much more than that. There is a believing in God which saves, and there is a believing in God which does not save. James chapter 2 verse 19 says this, you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the devils believe and they tremble. That means they shake. Even the demons of hell are so aware that God is real. They shake when they think about how real God is. But that don't mean demons are saved. The Bible uses three illustrations to, to talk about salvation. And it is a miracle change that happens. The first illustration is from darkness into light. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. God said, let light shine out of darkness. He says the same way that God spoke the heavens, the, the sun and the moon into creation, He said, let there be light, and bam, there was the sun and the moon. He says the same way He has to speak into your heart. Through the face of Jesus Christ, He has to turn on the light of the glory of the gospel through the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, God must speak into your heart and there is a miraculous illumination, a miraculous awakening inside of you. God by Himself, by His Spirit, must do a work of creation, a miracle inside your heart, whereby that heart which was dark, He turns on the light and now you see Jesus and now you know what salvation is and now you can be saved. It is no less a work of God than it was a work of God when He created the sun and the moon. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And He must do the same thing for you, inside of you. He must turn the light on. It's also compared to death to life. Coming from death into life. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in Me, though he may die, he shall live. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. If you don't know Jesus today and you're not saved, you're living like a dead person. You say, what do you mean, preacher? You can say you love somebody, but if you're not saved, you don't know what love is. You can say you love your wife. You can say you love your children. But it's no different than deadness. Because you have not yet received love. The love of God that brings new life into you. And, and causes you, though you're dead, to come alive. And He gives you the ability to love so much it hurts. <laughs> because He has loved you so much it hurts. That's why I went to the cross. It's like a death to a life. Another example in Scripture is the new birth. 
a second. You don't have to turn there. I'll read all of it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night and said, I know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? And he entered a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He says, you must be born again. You were born the first time of water from your mother's womb. You must be born this time of the Spirit, from the Spirit of God. That which is of flesh is flesh. That which is of the Spirit is spirit. If you've not been born again, you don't understand when we talk about the Spirit. You don't get it when we talk about feeling the Spirit and knowing the Spirit and having the Spirit's guidance and having the Spirit's conviction and having the Spirit's help. If you've not been saved, all that's still a mystery to you. You think, well, I just, I don't put as much power in that as other people. I just don't think about that as much as other people know. No, you've not been saved if you don't know what I'm talking about. Hear me today. If you don't know the Spirit at work inside of you, the power of the Spirit of God inside of you, then you've not been saved. That's real. Because when you get saved, you're born again. You're born of the Spirit. The Spirit comes to reside in you. And the Spirit becomes a, a, a force of work inside of you, more powerful than anything you've ever experienced in all your days. New birth affects your living. It, it affects your passion for God. It affects everything about you. Unless I leave it too soon, there are some people who have not been saved and they've never been saved because they never felt worthy. There are two kinds of people who don't get saved. One's too proud and thinks they don't need it. The other one's too humble. Thinks they're not worth. That one who says, I've never been good enough. That one who says, I've never done enough. That one who says, I never went to church enough. That one who's listened to the lies of the devil so long, they got such a poor view of themselves. They don't think Jesus would love them and die on the cross for them. I want you to know. That's what the story of Jesus is all about. People like you. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. He says, I came for those who don't feel worthy. I came for those who don't feel good enough, like they've done enough. That's what the gospel is all about. The devil wants to beat you down and tear you down and tell you how lovely you are and how worthless you are and get you to just lay down in that like a pig and just wallow in it. But Jesus came from the cross to lift you up out of that old mess and set your feet on solid rock in the rock of fire. The cross of Jesus. The truth of God. That's what salvation is. Yes. Number two. So be strong in the power of God. I look around the church 
here's the strength. But I'm trying to preach here at the conclusion of this message. And I'm, I've got a mandate from our passage from Psalms 125. And it says that you are strong like a mountain. You're going to abide forever and not be shaken. And God Almighty surrounds you like He surrounded Jerusalem. I'm here to preach to you that Jesus says, be strong. I thought about this mountain, this Mount Zion. I started to do research on it on Monday. And I'll be honest. On Monday evening, I was, I was, I was wore down a little bit. <laughs> because I started reading about the history of Mount Zion. And this is what I found out. It is the most battle-ridden city in the history of the world. I think all my life there's been fighting going on in Jerusalem. Are y'all aware of that? Amen. And all my granddaddy's life. And his granddaddy's life. I went all the way back to the time of Jesus and I started to teach you all this history, but you would have got mad at me because we've been here so long. It was war after war, battle after battle. Some battles that the children of Israel won some battles. The children of Israel lost. If you go up on Mount Zion and you stood there, here's what I want you to know. That's a mountain where blood has been shed. I'm not talking about the blood of goats and lambs and bulls because that was a lot of that shed there. But I'm talking about men's blood. Men and women fighting there. Do you know this? On Mount Zion, there have been so many different Temples built, do you know that, over the centuries? Yes. Temples to our God, but also temples to other gods. One after the other. Even to this day, if you go there, there's a, a temple there, the Dome of the Rock. It is a temple for Muslims that stands in the place where the house of God belongs. Different religions have taking control of that building. It's there. That building has been there for hundreds of years. Did you know that building that's now called the Dome of the Rock? It didn't used to always have that golden part across it, but the building, the, the nut shell of that building has been there for years. Muslims own it. Jews would take it. They had Jewish worship in that building. Then they had Muslim worship in that building. And then during the years of Constantine, Constantine took it, and they had Christian worship in that building. Then it went back to Jewish worship in that building. Now it's Muslim worship in that building. But Psalm chapter 125 is not about a building. It's about a mountain. I'm not talking to you today whether or not the building's been built or torn down. I'm talking about the mountain. He says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. And even though the building and the people and the owners and the fights and the battles and all that's taken place, the mountain of God has not been moved, it has not been shaken, and it is still surrounded and stable and sure as it's ever been. I want you to know, you look back at verse 1. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. This song is comparing you to that mountain that's always been there. 
You are a mountain, Eric. You're a mountain, man. <laughs> You're a mouse. And in your lives, battles have been fought. Some of those battles you won. Some of those battles you lost. In your life, worship has changed. You worship one thing, then another, then another. But God says you're like a mountain. Always been there. God's always been there. The same way Mount Zion has endured through wars and battles, different controlling factors, God has always been there for you. And He's always been around you, surrounding you. You are a mountain. You are strong. I'm calling upon you today to have faith. Those who trust in God are like a mountain, Mount Zion. The same way mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds you. Amen. You are strong in God. Like a mountain. We should get us a t-shirt made, shouldn't we? Amen. <laughs> I'm a mountain. There's your one right there. If Rob Hester was still alive, we'd have a t-shirt next week. He said, I'm a mountain. And on the back, it had this verse. God surrounds you like He surrounds Jerusalem. Well, I'm from the mountains, as you know. And I was thinking about this. God being all around us, like those mountains around Jerusalem. And I remember, you know, now when I go back to the mountains, we... Which I hate that drive, by the way. This this is my home. I don't know if you know that. This is have y'all learned to believe that yet? This is my home, okay? And we drive back to the mountains because we do. When you start getting over there about uh, hickory and somewhere in there, you start seeing the mountains in the distance. You, you you've done that drive? You see them in the distance, and they're beautiful from a distance. <laughs> but that's the way the devil wants you to live your Christian life. With God at a distance, seeing Him from afar, I think this been passing long enough. I think some of you want to be close to God, but you you've been so listening to the lies of the devil, maybe the lies that you tell yourself that you feel like you're always a distance away from God. But I know this from being in the mountains. I used to have a horse when I was a young man. And go ride my horse up on top of the mountain so I could look. And that's where I got saved. I'd go up there and pray. Up on top of the mountain. And I know this from living in the mountains and being in the mountains. When you're up on top of the mountain and you're in the mountains and you look around, all you see is mountains. <laughs> They're all around you. I want you today, no matter what you're going through, to look around. And I want all you to see is God. Amen. God is all over you. God is all around you. He's not at a distance from you. Stop allowing the devil to make you think God is at a distance from you. That He's far away from you. Do you know this? 
you in your faith can believe God's all over me or, or believe God's all over your grandmother or somebody, but, but struggle to believe God's all over yourself. Do y'all agree with that? Why is that so easy to believe He's all over them but not to believe He's all over you? It's because you know you. <laughs> you know you. That's a lie of the devil. If, if you believe that lie that He's not all over you because you know you, then you're not believing in the cross. You're not believing in the Gospel. Stop allowing the, the devil to make you think God's far away. Stop feeling... Stop feeling like you've got to be a beggar with God. And beg God to come over here and help you. God's all around you. You're strong like a mountain. God's the one who makes you strong. You're not strong because you're strong. You're strong because God's all around you. Glory. Trust in the Lord, he says in verse 1. I have a quote here that I keep in my office. I've read it to you numerous times over the years. At this point, I don't know if I wrote it or I stole it or where it came from, but I'm going to read it to you again. If our living different from the world only means that we go to church and they don't, they will never want what we have. But if they see some evidence of God's worship in us when we are at our lowest, then they will have an attraction to the work of God so faithful. And I want you to know I'm not trying to be pessimistic in any way, but I'm just trying to be a preacher who's preparing you and helping you get ready for what's coming. Suffering's coming. Amen. And if we're going to press on when it comes, we've got to bind together like never before and trust God like never before. And a big part of that trust is believing God is with you even when you suffer. A big part of that trust is believing God as you surrounded even when things are going on in your life you don't like and you don't want and it makes you hurt. God is for you, not against you. That was our message last week. This week he says God is strong in his power. He's got you surrounded and you will not shake. You're like a mountain that lasts forever. So if you're here today and you feel kind of beheaded, wore down, tired, empty, dry, you can find it. Well, the devil's happy about that, but God's not. And he's here today to lift you up out of that miry clay and set your feet on the rock again. And he said, you're like a mountain because he's all over you and all around you. Would you pray with me? Would you go ahead and stand as we pray? Father, I pray for those who are here.
trust in you, Lord. You are great and great to us. And we bless your name today. Thank you. Thank you for making us strong in God. Thank you for surrounding us. Protecting us. Thank you for not allowing iniquities reign to rest in our lives. 